respect. Let's show reverence to God instead of that. Thank y'all. Y'all can be seated. <clears throat> if you had turned to John the uh, 14th chapter, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, we have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold up your hand and the ushers will get one to you. And turn to John 14, please. We've been on the this topic, this subject, we're calling Seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus. And in uh, John 14, we see in verse 21 that Jesus said, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me, shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. You know, uh, our relationship with the Father God, the great creator of the heavens and the earth, and the judge of all the earth, is completely dependent on what we do with Jesus. Nobody can come to the Father, nobody, except by Jesus. And you cannot have a relationship with God except through Jesus. If you reject Jesus, you have rejected the one the Father has sent. And so you have disrespected the Father. Are you with me, friends? Some people seem confused about this nowadays. But I'm telling you, stay with the Scriptures. No, what did Jesus say? No man can come to the Father except by me. You can't say, I, I don't believe in Jesus, but I love God. I'm sorry. doesn't work. Are you with me now? does not work. The Father has sent the Son. If you accept the Son, you have accepted the Father. You reject the Son, you have rejected the Father. These are not my words. Read First John. Read the epistle and read these verses here in this book of John. But aren't you glad? Anybody in here? Have you, can you say, I've received Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Then you have access to the Father. And He loves you because you have loved Jesus and you have received the one He sent. I'm quoting Scripture. You believe God loves you? And He has accepted you? But did you understand it's entirely because you've received Jesus? And only because of that. Right? Aren't you glad for Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> Woo. You'd be lost without Him. He says, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas uh, said to him, not Judas Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How is it that you can do that? You're manifesting yourself, and people in the same place, some see you and some don't. Some know you and some don't. Some believe in you and some don't. Jesus answered and basically repeated the thought. He said, if a man loves me, what will he do? He'll keep my words, and my Father will love him. Why will the Father love him? Because he loves me, Jesus, and he keep, keeps my words. And we will come to him and make our abode with him, 
He that loves me not keeps not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So, the Lord has set it up in such a way that only some people on the planet are going to see Him and know Him. While others that could be standing right beside Him are living in the same town, are living next door to Him, not see Him or know Him at all. I mean, this is a reality all around about us, isn't it? Isaiah, what is it, 45, 15, I think it said, God's a God who hides Himself. Well, we know He's a God who reveals Himself. How can both of those be true? Well, they are. To whom does He reveal Himself? To those that love Him. Well, you must believe in Him if you love Him. You're not loving somebody that you don't believe exists. Right? So you believe in Him, but it's not just enough to say, I believe there's a God, I believe that Jesus is real. The Bible said the devils believe and tremble. They're not saved, and they're not blessed. Right? It's not enough just to believe in The real acid test is what we're reading about right here. Who is a real, born-again child of God? You can tell easy, easy. They love Jesus. Don't just believe in Him like a historical figure. They love Him. And how do you know for sure that they love Him? They do what He says. Now, you can holler, I love Jesus all day and night, but if you don't do what He said, it's just not true. If the Lord tells you, do this, and you decide to do something else, what does that prove? It proves you love something or somebody more than you love Him. Or you'd have done, you love what you wanted to do. You love yourself. Or what somebody else wanted you to do. You love them more. Because if you'd loved him more, you'd have done what he told you to do. Huh? It's too quiet. <laughs> do you love the Lord? I'm not, not just believing in him like a historical figure, like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. No. Do you know him? Have you met him? I'm not saying you saw him with your eyes or you heard him with your ears, but did you get born again somewhere, sometime, and did he become real to you? Do you know that he's real? And when you tasted and saw that the Lord is good, do you love him? Do you love him? Do you love him? Now, if you don't, you're not saved. I know people don't like it that, that clear and distinct, but it's just the truth. Remember what Paul said? He said, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Yes. Boy, that's strong. Yes. But that, he's not just saying, I, I want it to be that way. He's saying, that's how it is. Yes. That's the way it is. No, so you, you know, you hear people talking about, well, you know, we're all talking about the same God. You know, the, the, the Muslim, the Hindu, the uh, the this, the that, you know, the, it's, it's all the same God and there's just, there are many ways to the same God. You can't be a Christian and believe that. If you believe that, you're not a Christian. Christian is Christ I am. And the Christ said He is the one and only way. Right? It's simply not true. Well, we're all brothers of this. No, no. Jesus said no. He said to the most religious people of his day, you're of your father the devil. There are two families in the earth. There's the family of the devil and there's the family of God. 
And the only way to get out of the devil's family and get into the family of God is to believe on Jesus Christ and confess Him as Lord of your life and be born again the only way. We said, you're saying all these other people are lost? No, Jesus said it. He said it. He said broad is the way that leads to destruction and many are going that way. And narrow is the way. People say, oh, y'all are just narrow-minded. Yeah, and saved. Narrow is the way that leads to salvation. And few there be that find it. I know people don't like it, but friend, I'd be irresponsible if I told you anything else but the truth. I don't want anybody to ever be in one of my services and then wind up in hell later and and, and say, why didn't he tell me the truth? Are you with me now? This is not fairy tale. This is not play. This is real. Life is short. There is a heaven. There is a hell. You're either saved or you're not. And there's only one way. One way. One way. Somebody say one way. One way. And who is that way? Jesus. He's everything. He's everything. He's everything. Everything. And you don't, you don't have to know everything about all the other stuff. All you've got to do is love the Lord Jesus. Love Him with all your heart and serve Him the best you know how. And you do that, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. A lot of things you can be wrong on and miss and still make it. But this one, you've got, you got to have this right. Somebody say, He is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Back up in this 14th chapter, let's read about what I'm uh, preaching about right now. He said, uh, Jesus talked about going to his father's house, our father's house now. He said, where I'm going, verse 4, you know and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Verse 6, are you there? Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am. Am one of many ways? No, no, no. Uh, when I hear people saying, well, you know, uh, we, we believe in Jesus also. He was a prophet like uh, Muhammad was a prophet. It makes me mad. Did you hear me? I am not okay with that. Well, you need to be more tolerant. No, I don't. You need to get saved. Are you listening? Jesus was not a prophet like other prophets. He was and is the Son of God. God manifested in the flesh. The only Savior. The only Redeemer that there will ever be for mankind. No other man approximates to what He has done for humanity. No! No, don't mention them in the same breath. No, no. (laughs) He's everything. And I know a lot of people, I know millions don't believe it. I know millions that make some seething mad. That's one of the ways you can tell what spirit they're of. They get ready to kill you for saying this. Now, I might not like you saying bad things about my Jesus, but I'm not going to pull out my gun and shoot you. 
Because I love you no matter how confused you are. But you watch these other folks. They'll kill you. They'll kill you. And millions deny it. And millions spit on him. But I'm telling you soon and very soon, he's coming. He's coming on the clouds of glory. And every eye is going to see him. And ain't nobody going to be talking about Muhammad or anybody else. Because ain't nobody going to be coming on the clouds like him. King of kings. Lord of lords. Alpha and omega. Beginning and the end. Author and finisher. He's everything. He's everything. Jesus is everything. Don't you dare be ashamed to talk about you, Jesus. Don't you dare be ashamed or intimidated and say, I can't talk about Jesus in front of these people. I can't talk about Jesus around these. I can't talk. Don't you dare insult the Lord who saved you. He said, you're ashamed of me and my words before men. I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. Didn't he say that? Don't tell me I can't talk about Jesus. <laughs> Hope I'm plain enough for you understand what I'm talking about. Jesus said, I am the way. Are you reading the Bible? The way. The truth, the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. I believe this, do you? I think every real Christian believes this too. And if you don't believe this, mm, something's seriously wrong here now. Something's seriously wrong. Heaven and hell is real. Eternal life, eternal condemnation is real. And just a few more breaths, we're all going to be out of here. You better get this right. Hmm? I remember some years ago, I was, uh, oh, this has been decades ago now. I was preaching, and similar to today, the Spirit of God come on me, and I had other things I was going to do, but man, I preached about Jesus. I preached about Jesus, and I said, uh, you know, uh, I got stronger and stronger as I went. I said, you know, many don't believe in him. But there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Wise men believe on him now. Fools do not. And I didn't know it, but there was a general in the crowd of the former Soviet Union. And he had been taught all his life there was no God. And he, I don't know, you know, how he was there. Well, I did know, excuse me. He, he was sick and, and was given up to die. And as a last resort, he had come over to the ministry there hoping maybe healing would come. And, you know, sometimes people, they want what God has, but they don't really want him. And that's a problem. And um, I wasn't really thinking about him, but, man, the Spirit of God, uh, I learned this later. That's why I'm putting it together. He was there. And um, I finally I said, if, if you're not a fool, 
Get off your chair and bow your knee to the King of Kings right now. And man, ever I mean, the Spirit of God was there. Everybody, boom, they hit the floor. Boom, hit their knees. And he stood there and shook a little bit. And boom, he hit his knees. Gave his heart to the Lord. Got saved. <laughs> sure does beat going to hell. Well, it's the truth. Only fools refuse to bow their knee now and refuse to confess Him now. I'm so glad the Lord has given us light, helped us to see and know the truth so that we are saved, so that we do know Him who is the way, the truth, and the life. Can you say glory to God? And... uh you know, Philip was talking about, Lord, you know, show us the Father in verse 8, and we'll be satisfied. In verse 9, Jesus said, Have I been so long time with you, and you've not known me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou, then show us the Father? This is one of the greatest things I personally have gotten in this series thus far, is the revelation that we are seeing so much more than we are discerning. You with me on this? Uh we, we have been just like Philip. We've been just like them. Lord, show us. We want to see. And what did Jesus tell them? <laughs> what do you mean, show me? You've been seeing. You've been seeing for years. And yet they didn't realize what they were seeing. And see, later on they asked, well, how are you going to show yourself to us and not show yourself to other people in the world? It's living the same place we are. How's that going to happen? And he said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. And I'll manifest myself. I'll show myself to you. I'll make myself real to you. We are hearing him much more than we know. We are seeing him already much more. We, we're called to walk by faith right now. We, we, we ought not wait to see Jesus in fleshly form coming down out of the ceiling or hear the booming voice of God audibly. For the most part, He's not going to do it. Did you hear me? Why? There are some exceptions, but for the most part, He's not. Why? God could reveal Himself so that no person on the planet was an unbeliever in two seconds from now. Do you know this to be true? He could put His face in the sky. All he'd have to do is go, hey, <laughs> from horizon to horizon, hey, I'm God. <laughs> and everybody on the planet would be going, he's real, he's real. But that wouldn't please him. That wouldn't be faith. Be no faith involved in that. So he purposely doesn't do it. He purposely doesn't reveal things in the natural, in too forcible a way most of the time, so that if you want to doubt, you can. I've, I've been involved in situations where instantaneous miracles happened in front of my eyes. I mean, it was there, and it's not there now. And still... The way the Lord does it, you can doubt if you want to. It happens so quick and so sometimes not spectacularly that you're like, now wait a minute, was that even there to begin with? What's that trying to creep in? Doubt. 
Unbelief. And, and you look at the person. I'm thinking of this lady one time. She had this big old thing on her, on her wrist. It's grown up like big as your fist. And we, we spoke to that thing. And I mean, next time I looked, it wasn't there. It was flat. Her wrist was flat. And she said, whoa, 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 whoa. It's gone. I said, it was there, right? She said, it was there for years. I said, well, I'm sorry, but I don't see anything now. She said, it's not there. It's gone. I've seen God put broken bones back together instantly, quicker than you could blink your eyes. And yet it happened so quick, and the swelling was gone too. It looked like it was never broke. And so the, the thing you can think is, am I sure that's the way how, that, how that was? See, no matter how great the miracle, you can still doubt if you choose to. Think about it. The Israelites out in the desert. Bread falls out of the sky every day. Water flows out of rocks, and they're full of unbelief and fear. They got used to it. They got accustomed to it like, yeah, that happens. <laughs> but we're all going to die out here in the wilderness. We're all going to die. You can get acclimated to anything and take it for granted and doubt it. So people say, well, if I could see something like that, I'd believe. No. No, seeing doesn't produce faith. It's not true. Simply not true. You believe when you don't see. And listen, God has not left us. Have you read these chapters? He's not left us comfortless. He's not left us without help. He is in our midst. Have you heard these testimonies? Every service, every service. And I mean, some of them are just spectacular. Who did it? Is that, are we seeing God? Are we hearing about God? I didn't do it. You didn't do it. We're seeing God manifest. That's Him. We're looking at Him. We're hearing about Him. He's speaking in our midst. He's given us utterance in our services and in our meetings. I was leaving the other night after we, we were speaking on graces and places on Friday night. And if you're not here, let me encourage you. Get the, get the materials, or better yet, get here. It is your church, you know, get here. And uh, what's more important? What, what do you got? Go, be sure that you're hearing from the Lord because some of these things are, are life-altering and life-changing. And, and I was leaving, I said, I told uh, Dave and Rob, I said, I know some people may think, hey, he just sat at his desk and, and thought some of that up. I didn't. It's miraculous. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I know personally. I was there and was wondering how this could work. And then, boom, I see it. And I go, oh, yeah, that's it. I'll write that down. <laughs> I didn't figure it out. I didn't come up with it. A lot of times while I'm preaching, it comes up to me. I might say it like I've known it for 20 years, but I just found out just now. That's miraculous. And so even though you're looking at me, you're not hearing me. I'm just saying what I heard him say. So that means you're hearing him. Oh, do you see this, friend? You're hearing him. Ooh. Glory to God. This is happening all over the planet. Not just in our church. This is happening all over the planet. And yet you got people come and sit and hear and see service after service and year after year. We want to see God. Oh, we want to see God. 
a lightning bolt could rip across the, the platform and the audible voice of God go, hey, I'm here. And they'd still holler the next service. I want to see God. I need, need to see. Let's don't be dull and blind and deaf and dumb spiritually. Let's believe God and realize what's already in front of us. Discern what we're already seeing and what we're already hearing and know God is in our midst. God's talking to us. God's manifesting Himself. Hallelujah. It is happening. We're not going to get there. We're here. It's happening. I believe it will get greater and greater. But don't say one of these days, you know. No, it's happening. Now, do we discern it? Thanks be unto God. Go to the 15th chapter again, please. And I didn't intend to say any of that either. (laughs) But I just wanted the rest of the day to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's everything. He's everything. He's everything. Do you love him? Do you love him? If you don't, get your heart right today. Receive him today. Don't walk out of that door Uh, ambivalent, you know, skeptical. Don't do it. Life is too short. This is the only way to salvation. There is no other way. And uh, there's no reason why you'd want to refuse him another day. He has a wonderful and amazing plan. How many that have received him would say, there is no reason to wait about receiving him. And there's every reason to receive him. He's good. The devil will lie to you and say, oh, you completely sell out and be a Christian. Your fun's over. He's a liar. He is a liar. The only thing the Lord wants you out of is stuff that will kill you, steal from you, and destroy you. That's why he's against sin, not to spoil your fun. The wages of sin is death. You never had so much fun till you get in the real plan of God for your life and the real will of God. He is the life of all parties, all real ones. Don't you believe the lies of the devil? Chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges, that it may bring forth more fruit. What are we supposed to be doing? Bearing fruit. Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken to you. The word has a purging, cleansing effect on us. Very powerful. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides or lives or stays in me maintains a continuing constant communion with me, living communion with me, and I in him. The same brings forth much fruit. Again, there's fruit bearing. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples." Now, we read in the 14th chapter where he talked about asking in his name 
and he would do it. If you ask anything in my name, he said, I'll do it. And he said, the works that I do, you'll do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. But now he's talking about fruit. But the fruit and the works are connected. The works produce fruit. And the fruit is produced through the works of God on the branch, on the end of the branch. Now, the branch can't produce the fruit by itself. It's just a conduit. It's not generated from the branch. That comes from the vine. But it flows through the branch. Now, we are ordained. Actually, skip down to the 16th verse and, and just read it instead of me saying it. The 16th verse, he says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. You know, uh, some years ago, uh, I don't know what came up, but somebody was talking about how they had prayed hard and worked hard and, and, and accomplished something. And, oh, this is decades ago. And, and that thought crossed my mind. I said, well, yeah, I did, uh, you know, answer the call, and I did do this. And, I, and the Lord said, how long did I have to work with you to get you where you could even hear the call? I said, that's right. And he said, how many times did I have to go over it before you, you were able to answer and commit? I said, oh, Lord, you chose me. Hmm? I wouldn't have had enough sense to choose you or enough grace or faith to answer you or follow you. How many know it's the truth? It's, it's all by his grace. It is his grace that we've made it this far and his grace that will take us the rest of the way. But he said, I, I chose you. You haven't cho- you didn't choose me. I chose you and ordained you for what? Why are we here? Why are we here? And ordained you. You know, uh, a bunch of the stuff in higher institutes of learning deal with this question. Why are we here? Philosophers try to get wise and they change the tone of their voice. And, and why are we here? And you can tell by the way they said it. They don't have a clue. <laughs> but that won't keep them from rattling on for another two hours about their opinions and their theories and their this. And they try to wind up with some lofty ideal of uh, humanitarian aspiration. And uh, Listen, if you don't believe in God, you will never have a clue about why you're here. Because that is why you're here. Because there's a God. And for His pleasure, you are created. Is that right? You're created because He wanted a family. He wanted sons and daughters created in His own likeness and image. And so He created man, and man lost himself through sin and disobedience. But God got His man back through the redemption of the Lord Jesus and he had a plan from the inning, excuse me, the beginning that goes all the way to the end. And that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. And he has chosen us and ordained us. Read the rest of that verse. Put it up for us, please. And that you should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain and that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give it you. That's connected to the fruit. The things we're asking in His name, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will, it'll be done. That has to do with fruit producing. Fruit producing. Did Jesus produce fruit? 
was their fruit through him and in his life. He never took credit for any of it, did he? He said, I can of my own self do nothing. He never took credit for one sermon he preached, one, one lesson he taught, one healing, one deliverance, one miracle. He said, the Father, the Father, the Father in me, he does the works. I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do. But that was fruit, wasn't it? Fruit abounding through, the, through him from the Father, fruit that remains. And so it's the same will of God for you and I. We are to be fruit-bearing, not barren, not dry and shriveled up, bored, unfruitful. We're to be fruit-bearing. Now, read the next verse here in John, and you see what kind of fruit specifically he's talking about. 15 and 8, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. What's going to glorify the Father God? Fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. Why does he immediately start talking about love when he's talking about this fruit? Because it is love fruit. Now, when you say love fruit, the, the enemy has been entirely too successful in confusing people about love. It's such an important thing, and he knows it's such a powerful thing that he has worked overtime to, to demean love and make it base. And so you got people talking about they love God, then they turn around and say they love pizza, and they love their car, and they love this, and they love that. And, and, and the, the word doesn't really mean anything, or it means something wrong. I mean, uh, love has been associated with sexual perversion. Did you hear me? People call stuff that have to do with physical relations love that has nothing in the world to do with love. God is love. So all that God is is what love, real love is. So when you're talking about God having fruit born through our lives, that's God fruit, isn't it? Which is the same as saying love fruit. Love fruit is God fruit, isn't it? So he says, he keeps going, and he says these things, well, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide, you shall live in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, let's just stop right here. Don't, don't let this get by you. I'm, I'm believing God for this to come out. Are you believing God with me? I, he said, I have kept my Father's commandments. Now, what does our text say? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What will happen after that? I'll love you, and I'll manifest myself to you. I'll make myself real to you. I'll let myself be clearly seen by you. And he, he's telling us now, that's what I have done. I have loved the Father. I mean, in the previous verse, um, let me see. As the Father has commanded me, uh, 1431, 1431, he said, but that the world may know, what? Know what? That I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Why did Jesus go to the cross? He's obeying the Father. Why? Because he loved the Father. 
was because we were all loving Him and making Him feel wonderful? No. No, it was in spite of mankind being His enemy. He came unto His own, and His own rejected Him. Didn't they? Received Him not. And He still did it. I said He still did it out of love for the Father. Oh, He loves us too. But He did it out of love for us, but out of love for the Father. Can you see this? And He said here in the 15th chapter, If you keep My commandments... You will abide. You will live in my love. This is the manifestation of God. We, we've, uh, we've made this small when it is so huge. People read this and they say, you'll abide in my love. That means walking in love. That's not what he said. Abide means live. A living communion in the love of God. That is experiencing the love of God manifested in your life as a lifestyle, as a way of life. Help me to say this right, Lord. What what does it mean? We're talking now about God manifesting Himself to us, about Him showing Himself to us. And when He shows Himself to us, it's going to be love. Do y'all see this? You with me? It's going to be love. <sighs> Hallelujah. For the praise God, Elis Nemingiak, is no for Mohofinchares, Ekuforim in Grisnifietchi, for the love of God reaches through eternity past, through eternity future, fills the heaven. And the earth, there is no place where his love does not touch and does not reach. For the Koringas Niashni, Esihishievikalos, the great love of God yearns to pour out on hurting humanity. But Agazni Ingiifis, Esunkafaramadilasi, but mankind has refused to believe. Man has chosen to go their own way. So the love of God is prevented from manifesting and pouring through. For they put up walls and they harden their hearts. And they'll not open the door and they'll not let me in. But agalis in a But the man, the woman who will open their heart wide and say, I do love the Lord with all my heart and will prove it by obeying, then to that one I can come in. To that one I can show myself strong on their behalf. To that one I can reveal myself and my love they will experience in the morning time. In the noontime, in the evening time, on their bed, they will experience the love that I am. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. They will live, abide in His love. How many know if you're abiding in His love, you're seeing Him? You're hearing Him. You're experiencing Him. He's real to you. He's manifesting Himself to you. Thank you, Lord. 
Uh, how many believe we're coming up to another level? We're Read it again. If you keep my commandments, you shall what? We've just kind of read past that phrase. Abide in his love. Yeah, abide in his love. But no, no, no. Friend, when God is pleased with you, the whole world looks different. <laughs> I remember some years ago I was coming back from a mission trip, and it had not been easy. Uh, some hardships, some inconveniences. But, you know, that really means nothing to serve the Lord. Does it? Nothing. And, uh, man, we had pushed through and were involved with some other people and some great things had happened. People had come to the Lord, many of them. Miracles, healings, amazing things, signs and wonders. And I'm flying back home on a commercial airliner. And I'm looking out the window and, and I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be a part of that. Thank you for using me. And he spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but he said, thank you. I thought, did I really just hear that? <laughs> You're hearing stuff, Keith. He said, can I say thank you to you? I said, well, yes, sir. He said, thank you. Thank you for going. Thank you for obeying me. A lot of people won't. Thank you for me being able to count on you. I need people I can count on. When he said it, though, his love got in the chair with me. Mm. Do you all know what I'm talking about or not? His love manifested. When he says something, it's never empty words. When he says something, you don't just hear it, you feel it. Are y'all with me, saints? When he says something, and it's really him, it goes through you. It goes in you. It comes around you. It's on you. And it's one thing to hear and, and assent to mentally that he loves me. Oh, but if you'll let him, he'll manifest his love for you, to you. And you'll experience it. And what he's saying here, friend, you don't have to just have the odd experience of his love to you every 5, 10, 20 years. You can live there. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to get that out. That's where we're trying to go. You can live there. That's what abide means. Abide doesn't mean visit. It means live. Live where? We believe in prosperity. We believe you can eat the good of the land. We believe God will give you new cars, new houses, expensive stuff, top stuff, nice stuff. But I'm telling you, you can't even enjoy a new car <laughs> like you're supposed to unless the love of God is on you and you know He's pleased with you. Hmm? I mean, you can not put your flesh under and ignore Him and, and get something, and maybe it's nice, but you can't even enjoy it because you know you missed God. You know He's not pleased with you. You know it's too big of a priority to you. you it's an idol to you. you. You can't even, I don't care how nice it is, you can't enjoy it. 
If you're a real child of God, you can't. Oh, friend. But if you wait on him and he adds it to you in the right way in the right time. How many know what makes the whole new car experience over the top is when you get in and put it in drive and God says, ain't this nice? (laughs) And you go, oh, God. (laughs) You're so good to me. You're so good to me. You're not just experiencing new car smell. You're experiencing the love of God manifested on you because He's blessing you. That's so much more than metal and rubber. Same thing with your house. Same thing with your clothes. Same thing with everything. Nothing is worth anything unless He's in it. Do you know this? Nothing is worth anything unless He's in it. And He's not going to be in it if you're disobedient. Do you hear me? The psalmist said the rebellious dwell in a dry land. And they do. You don't have to do what He tells you to do. You can be hard-headed. You can disobey. And you make it like sinners make it. Day in and day out. But your life is empty. And it's dry. And it's unsatisfying. You don't sense His presence. You know, people who've experienced degree, greater degrees of His presence, <laughs> they're forever changed and nothing else will ever satisfy. You know, Brother Smith Wigglesworth was fond of saying, he said, I'd rather have the Holy Ghost on me for a few minutes than to own the whole world with a fence around it. (laughs) That kind of paints the picture, don't it? I mean, it's not that God doesn't want you to have stuff, and that's all right, but it means nothing without Him. Right? And what you want is to please Him. What pleases Him? Keep reading. He gets very specific about His commandment. Who's going to experience the manifested love of God on their lives? Who's going to live in that? The ones that love Him and do what He says. Keep His commandments. What is His commandment? John 15. John 15. 10. If you keep my commandments... You shall abide in my love. You live in my manifested love. Even as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide, live, stay in, live in communion with His manifested love. Jesus had no problems with depression. Jesus had zero anxiety attacks. Jesus had zero down days. Days he just couldn't seem to get to victory. None. You know why? You, you just don't have that when you live in manifested love. Because no matter what's going on around about you, you live in your own environment.
if y'all are with me or not. Well, they just live in their own world. Yeah, you should join me. It's nice over here. (laughs) It can be bad all around, but it's nice here in the love of God. It's always nice. And that's an understatement. We're so, even though we're in the world, we're not of it. We're, we don't have to live in the same chaotic, fear-filled, anxiety-filled, selfishness-filled, depression-filled. You don't just live out here. You live in here. And people have found that because, you know, they, they move from state to state and from country to country trying to find the right place. And when they get there, it's messed up because they got there. Because <laughs> they brought their environment with them. You take your environment with you everywhere you go. <laughs> and if you keep His commandments, you will live... What will you live in? You will live in the manif- in manifested God, which is manifested love. We're not talking about when you get to heaven. We're talking about now. We're talking about having heaven here and now to go to heaven in. It'll just be a lot more of what you've already been tapping into down here. Hallelujah. How are you going to do that? You keep His commandments. And what did He say? He said, if you keep my commandment, you'll abide in my love as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is the secret. This is the key to what everybody on the planet is looking for. Do you know what everybody on the everybody on the planet is looking for a joy-filled life? I don't care what they say, I'm telling you it's the truth. They try to get it through drugs. They try to get it through enough possessions. They try to get it through sex or perversions or any not there's not enough money or stuff in the world to give you a joy-filled life. You could have a thousand of the most expensive cars and you can have a hundred of the most expensive mansions. It will not fill you with joy. Right. Cannot. Right. I said it can't. Right. Can't. But you know what can? Keeping His commandment, pleasing Him, doing what pleases Him, what's good in His eyes, will call. when you please Him, you're going to know it. I said you're going to know it. Do you know it when you displease Him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Heart bothers you. <clears throat> Why do you sense that? Oh, you, you sense grief and displeasure. Why? Because he's displeased. And you're picking that up. Well, why wouldn't you know it when he's pleased? <laughs> Some people decided, well, I've never experienced that. I, I, I just always got the ooh, the other. No, no. No, that's not true, first of all, and it doesn't have to be true as a way of life. Is it possible to please God every day? Is it possible to obey Him every day? Then that means it's possible to experience Him being pleased with you and manifesting His love to you every day. That's how Jesus lived. 
And because he lived like that, he was full of joy. And he said, and that's why I want you to live like this, so that my joy will be in you when you live like this, and your joy will be full. And friend, this is the most powerful witness there can be. When you and I are living like this, it'll draw people around us like moths to the flame. You understand? It's a terrible witness when you're depressed, when you're down, when you're upset. That's like being a sinner. You live in a cloud. You live in a law. Well, it's all fun and good for you to say, Brother Keith, but you don't have to live with what I live with. Really? Well, I guess, did the Lord not know that? Should He have put some exceptions in here? That for some people it's not possible to live like this because they just have too much. Mm -mm. The truth is, you could be living in this kind of victory before the day is out today. You. I don't care what's going on in your life. The Bible's true. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I don't care what it is. And no matter what you've done, you could repent. Couldn't you? You could repent. You could get your heart right right now. And even if you messed up right and left, you could say, Lord, from here on out, by your grace, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to obey you every day. I'm going to please you. I'm going to walk with you. And immediately, if you really mean that, immediately God will be pleased with that. He'll be pleased with your heart before you ever get a chance to do it. He'll be pleased with that because He sees and knows your heart. But if you just yield to unbelief and go, well, I've tried and I just can't do any better. I just don't know. Well, you're going to stay in the dark and it's going to rain where you live every day. And it's sad because you don't have to live that way. You'll be down and depressed for the next 10 years. And you'll give a thousand reasons for it. And none of them will be true. You could live in the manifested love of God every day and every night. These things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment. Here it is. That you love one another as I have loved you. How do we stay in the manifested love of God? We love each other with the love He's put in us. Can you see this is so many spiritual principles here. You're sowing love, so you're reaping love. You're giving love, so you're living in love. Oh, can you see this? What is the enemy? Selfishness. Selfishness. Close off and quit doing for other people and just start thinking about yourself and what you need and what you want and what you don't have and what you can't do. That is the most miserable life on the planet. Then you start living in that instead of living in the love of God. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This is the God kind of love. And when you when you hear it, don't think that makes me sad <laughs> because that's not the true love of God. Listen to what Paul said. He said to the saints at Corinth, he said, I will very gladly, very gladly, spend and be spent for you. Even though the more I love you, it seems like the less you love me. 
They had found them some new apostles that weren't really apostles and had replaced him. People that were abusing them, taking advantage of them and ripping them off and they didn't have enough sense to realize it and were trying to cast him aside. He said, I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to love you. Friend, this, this love of God never fails. There is no defense against it. There is no weapon that can prosper against it. What do you mean? If somebody says, well, I hate your guts, and you say, well, I'm going to love you. You better not. Don't. You can't make me not. <laughs> make me quit. You can't. I'm going to love you anyhow. Well, I'll get a gun and blow your head off. I still love you. You can't stop it. It's bigger than anything. It's God. Oh, come on. Can you see this? And it never fails. Now, Jesus literally laid down his body, laid down his life, shed his blood. We're going to honor it in just a minute. And nobody, none of us can do that, literally lay down our life to pay for somebody's sins. That's been done. But we can lay down our life in many ways. Look in 1 John. We'll close with this, I think. 1 John, the fourth chapter. Oh, boy. I could go another hour on this, I think, at least. But are you planning on coming back sometime? Yeah. All right. First John, uh, actually three, I think, is where I want you to go. First John 3. First John 3 and 16. Well, read 14. We know that we've passed from death unto life. How do we know it? Because we love the brethren. Now, this love is not in unsaved people. People say, well, I know so-and-so. They're not saved, and they love this or they love... Well, yeah, but it's, it's more of a self-love. It's not the God kind of love. I know people don't... They, don't even want to believe that. But you hear people say, I love you. I need you. That's not loving them. I love you. I, I've got to have you in my life. I love you. I, I, I need you. That's you loving yourself. You love what they do for you. That's not loving them. The love of God will love you when you're doing nothing for me. The Bible said he loved us while we were yet his enemies, right? And laid down his life. Notice this. He said, we know we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides. Now that's the same word, isn't it? Abides. What does abide mean? You live in. Well, if you don't love your brother, what do you live in? You don't just live in Missouri or Georgia. You live in death. And no matter where you're living geographically or what the circumstances or challenges are, if you love the brethren, you're living in love. Living in the manifested God's love for you. Keep reading. Hereby, verse 16, perceive we the love of God. Because He laid down His life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
But whoso has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Why are we believing for prosperity? Why are we believing to get all of our debts cleared out? Huh? Why are we believing? I mean, as a church, I'm excited because we're this close to having everything done. Everything done that's going on. I know the Lord will give us other projects, but what's that going to happen? It's going to free us up to do more and more and more for others. Now notice, who did he say do it for? He didn't just say the poor of the world. Who did he say? Your brethren. Your brethren. And friend, we don't need to lay down our physical life to pay for somebody's sins. Jesus has done that. But if we walk in this kind of love, we will gladly sacrifice our time, our stuff, our resources. Now, you want to be led so that you don't waste it. And you don't just do everything somebody asks you to do. But you, you are willing to spend and be spent. You're believing God for resources so that God can use you. You never had so much fun in your life, friend. This is the key to joy being full. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? It's upon us. We're here. We're at the door. I'm telling you, I sense in my spirit, God is finishing up things. Just like these folk, all the debt's paid off. Everything's done. They're clear. And they'll be able to focus more and more of their resources on the family of God. Right? On the work of God and the family of God and the things of God. And friend, you live like that. Don't you know you're going to be happier than you've ever been in your life? God use you to meet somebody's need, cause their dream to come true. Isn't that going to cause joy to abound inside you? You will live in the manifested love of God and your joy will be full. Somebody say glory to God. Stand up on your feet, everybody.